I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 11 to 1 with Gilmore's Mercedes-Benz Kingscourt. Visit our showrooms or check out our new website, gilmores.ie, to see the amazing 221 range of Mercedes-Benz cars or our huge selection of used Mercedes-Benz vehicles. Gilmore's Mercedes-Benz Kingscourt, the best in motoring here for you. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. There's Beyonce, If I Were a Boy, kicking us off this Wednesday morning. Sinead Brazel here with you. You are listening to 11 to 1 and you can get in touch on 086-1800-658 on WhatsApp and text. Oh, what an end. What an end it was last night to the amazing TV series that is Dairy Girls. I know there is kind of an, an encore tonight, an hour long episode, which I am really looking forward to, but... um. It was brilliant last night. If you're watching it on Channel 4, it was absolutely brilliant. And I came across an article by journalist Ellen Fitzpatrick and she wrote an ode to Dairy Girls and it's on actually her.ie if you want to check it out. But um, I said I'd read a little bit of it because it was just, I think it sums it up so well and she writes so beautifully. So why not let her kind of, you know, uh, share the feeling on this? So she says, um, this is just a section of it now. She says, Lisa McGee, for three seasons, balanced this show incredibly. While it's easy for us in the Republic to relate to the show, and even some in Britain to relate, the show was so unique to those in the North. It meant something so different, something we'll likely never see again on television. Saying goodbye to the gang last night was a tough one. While it is only a TV show at the end of the day, it was something we never wanted to end. Leaving us, us on a seriously emotional ending, I mean, it just came out of nowhere that I was, you know, tears everywhere here. Our hearts just broke. After decades of the troubles uh, the girls and James living their teenage years with so much turbulence it was something utterly different that had us shell-shocked and I think this is the genius of this show. You have all of the troubles that is kind of, it's it's there rumbling in the background and she just brings comedy to, to such moments. <laughs> like during the Orange March when they get, they, they leave, they can't, they, they didn't leave the house on time basically before all the parades start and then they end up in the parade and it's just so, so funny. And I mean, it shouldn't be funny, but it is, you know. And um. Ellen continues, she says, I was born a year before the Good Friday Agreement, something I definitely don't remember. By the way, But the way Grandad Joe goes on, you can see my own granddad in it. When Ma Mary is sick of the girls' constant nagging, my mum reacts the same way. And this is iconic as well. She says, I remember the scene with Michelle and Mary and the best bowl. Because, you know, the best bowl in the house growing up was a thing, you know. And if you 
took the best bowl or borrowed the best bowl or broke the best bowl, there'd be hell to pay. <laughs> so there was a storyline, kind of a sideline story with Mad, uh, with Mary and uh, Michelle and the bowl. And uh, she says, we all had this in our own families. Uh, she says, I went to an all-girls Catholic school and while there was only one nun still teaching, the place was eerily similar to the girls' school in, in this. We all have that one wacky relative like Aunt Sarah, an unpredictable but lovable group of friends and most of us have the wee English cousin, she says. Their lives are like any other family in Ireland. It showed us how connected we are as a country that no matter what, we're not actually all that different even after nearly 30 years. She says, this show is a piece of television that I truly adored and something I will watch over and over again. It's something so unique and one of a kind, something us fans will certainly keep in our hearts for a long time to come. What a great way of summing up the general feeling about Dairy Girls. And she's right, I started watching it again from season one all the way to last night's episode just beforehand. Not in the one night now, mind you. Uh, But it is, it's fantastic. And I'm sad to see it leave our TV screens. But don't forget tonight, there is an hour long episode on Channel 4 at 9. And it's, uh, you know, going to talk about um, how the girls are a year on from when we've just seen them from last night's episode. So that's good. Something to look forward to. And now for something completely different. It is Word Foolery Wednesday. Regular listeners will know on the programme that every month I invite author Grace Tierney from Stamullen on the show to discuss the weird, wonderful and very interesting stories around words and their origin stories. And I can tell you that this month it's going to be food related, Okay. So normally before Grace comes on, she gives us a mystery word, okay? And without Googling, because we'll know, we will know if you Google this. And let me tell you, I nearly Googled myself this morning. I have no idea. She never tells me either. I have no idea what this word means, okay? (laughs) So just for a bit of crack and a bit of fun, we're asking you, have you any idea what the word groke means? Groke. So G-R-O-A-K. G-R-O-A-K. Now, I can tell you that it's a verb, okay? So she says the mystery word is the verb to groke. To groke, okay? So, like, of course, I'm just... All I can think of is croak, but it's not croak, okay? So I'm kind of thinking if she is going to stick with the foodie kind of theme throughout all of this. Now, she could have thrown me a curveball with this. I don't know. If she is sticking with that, I'm thinking to groke might mean to get sick. Maybe it's an old-fashioned way of saying to get sick that's my take on it maybe you have a better idea what do we think the word groke g-r-o-a-k or to groke she said it's a verb what does it mean (laughs) answers please to 086-1800-658 the funny and the more inventive the better to be honest with you googling is just boring don't google it okay and we'll know if you're cheating so let me know if you think you know what that is to groke I'm thinking it might mean to get sick. Let us know what you think. 086-1800-658 and all will be revealed later on when Grace joins us for Word Foolery. Now I'm going to take a quick break and we're back with Elton John and we're discussing picnics again. 11 to 1. You are getting in touch with your answers for what you think Groke might be on 086-1800-658. Eamon says, Sinead, does Groke mean to be greedy? Interesting. Interesting. I like that one. Uh, Cheryl says, Sinead, I have no clue. I'm going to go with eating too much. Kind of on the same on the greedy thing. Jean says, I think it's the same as you, Sinead. Something to do with getting sick after eating. Keep them coming in to me. We'll have all revealed with Grace later on. 
Let's get back to more music. Here's Elton John and LMFM's 11 to 1. Here's Elton John and Dua Lipa, Cold Cold Heart on LMFM's 11 to 1. Now, from a car almost getting washed out to sea at a beach picnic to a really memorable picnic in a sitting room. We are continuing our competition in association with JK Sheds. You've been getting in touch with me about your picnic stories. Um, But there is one person, a very famous person, who's not a huge fan of a picnic and he has very strong views on a picnic and it's Michael McIntyre. I came across this and had to play it for the week that's in it. Here it is, Michael McIntyre and the British picnic. It's like picnics. I don't see the value in a picnic. Because people think it's fun, don't they? It's like, let's have a picnic. It's always a lovely moment when people want to announce the idea. <gasps> let's have a picnic. And for some reason, we're programmed as British people to be incredibly enthusiastic about the prospect. So, oh, yes, yes, let's have a picnic. We're going to have a picnic, guys. <laughs> and it's never fun. It's never fun. <laughs> Just eat in your own homes, okay? You go out with your rug. You look for a place furthest away from strangers. Let's not go here, they're here. Let's go over here. No, they're coming over there. What about this? This, this seems okay. Just stay at home. There are no strangers there at all. And then off you go with your rug. It takes a few attempts. The wind blows it back. No, come on. It's okay. No, I'll get there in the end. All right, get it. All right, jump on it. It's fine. You hold that bit down. And then comes a very big challenge for men. Because it doesn't matter how hard you are how macho you are. It is impossible not to become extremely camp as soon as you get down for the picnic. Men are completely restricted by the picnic pose. You can't really do... (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely brilliant how he captures the... the the whole essence of a picnic so well that sketch goes on by the way it's absolutely brilliant if you haven't seen it it's fantastic but it got me it got me thinking about picnics of course because it is our competition in association with JK Sheds oh we love a good picnic no matter what Michael McIntyre says we love a good picnic we do and it always ends in disaster doesn't it it always ends in the disasters and uh, this week we've had you know things like uh People's milk turning sour on the picnic, you know, rain uh, hailing down on them on the picnic, forgetting the picnic, the missing picnic. They left the house with it. It was in the boot of the car when they went to have the picnic. Disappeared. We also had the picnic that was a maggot picnic and not an actual picnic. (laughs) <laughs> because they mixed up the fishing gear and the picnic bag, you see. So we're loving your stories all of this week. And the reason that we're doing this is we've teamed up with our friends in JK Sheds. They're on the Coes Road in Dundalk. They make picnic benches, but as well as that, they've all sorts of garden sheds, log cabins, offices and kennels. For more, you can see jksheds.ie or follow their Facebook page. So if you want to get this lovely six-seater handmade wooden picnic bench delivered straight to your door. All you have to do is tell me your picnic stories. Now, it could be a hilarious story like Breed Duffy shared with us on Monday where the car nearly ended up in the sea. They were so enthusiastic about the picnic they didn't know, notice the tide coming in. Or it could be a lovely story like Nolene's yesterday. She told us about her dad passing away and that her mother, trying to do the best for them, brought them off for a picnic, but of course it rained. So they ended up having the picnic at home in the sitting room and it's one of those ones that she remembers. So all I want to know is your picnic story. Tell me what has happened on your picnics. We're going to pick another finalist today. 86 658 There's Monday with Galway Girl on LMFM's 11 to 1. 
Now, the little tern is one of Ireland's rarest breeding seabirds and they are in need of protection. And there's a group of wildlife enthusiasts that came together many years ago to establish the Little Tern Conservation Project at Baltray. So they protect the terns and particularly during nesting season, they are in need of volunteers. I'm going to be joined by Morris Conaghy. He's a long-time volunteer with the Little Tern Conservation Project out there in Baltray. He's going to tell us all about his work and he's going to appeal for volunteers. We're going to join him after these. 11 to 1. Little Tern is one of Ireland's rarest breeding seabirds and is in need of our protection. And back in 2005, a group of wildlife enthusiasts came together to establish the Little Tern Conservation Project at Baltray, a project that protects and supports the terns, also skylarks and other wildlife during the nesting season. Volunteers spend up to 100 hours each season protecting the nesting sites of the Little Terns on a stretch of about a a kilometre or so in Baltray. The beach is one of the sites that uh, these summer migrants return to each year and this year the group is in real need of volunteers to help out over the next couple of months. Joining me now to tell us more about it is Morris Conaghy. He's a long-term volunteer who's been working on the project since it was set up. How are you doing, Morris? Not so bad, Janine. Not so bad. It's great to, to have you on the programme. Now, do you know, I happened to be taking a walk around Baltray Beach during one of the lockdowns and it, the beach was just now, just Morris within the kilometre radius of where I was supposed to be. But we came upon the conservation area there and the kids were just enthralled by everything that was going on. It was around about this kind of time of the year, maybe a little bit later. It was during the kind of summertime uh, and they were just enthralled by everything that was going on. But tell us about this little turn conservation project. How did it come about initially? Well, it started in uh, 2005-2007 really picked up. It was it started by actually Michael Reed's wife, Sandra, and her sister, Margaret. They're the two people that are responsible for all this. Mm. And uh, It started way back then. And uh, before that, in the 1980s, I think Boardwatch Ireland were sending people down to keep it checking it, but it was, it was deemed un, unworkable. So it was just left there. So there's no turns there for 10, 10, 10 years before we started in 2007. Okay, so it was you guys who kind of sort of made the area kind of more attractive, I suppose, for the turns to kind of come well, there and nest. Oh no, the turns would always come there, Sinead, but the thing is, there was nobody protecting them. I see, okay. They were just nesting on the beach and if you ever seen a turn's egg, that's the question. When you're walking the beach, you won't see it until it's too late. Okay, and so that's, it's why, that's why we have to cordon it all off and try and keep people, make people aware. Yes, because this whole area, as I described there, the kind of 1.5 kilometres around that sort of stretch, it is cordoned off and very well cordoned off, I have to say. Um, now, I, t- I mentioned there in the opening that the, the tern is Ireland's rarest breeding seabird. What can you tell us about them? Well... <sighs> They're a hard little board, a hardy little board. Like you consider that they migrate from South from uh, South Africa, the west coast of South Africa, every year, and they have to deal with all the problems on the way and uh, on, on the migration for starters. Then they come here, then they have to deal with weather and the predators. Like they're a determined little board. Like some seasons, if, if the nest is destroyed, they will just continue to lay and lay and lay. You know, so. so yeah. uh, they're a tough little character, you know. They are you gorgeous to, You as have well. to admire them, you know, you have to admire them. 
Oh, absolutely. And as you say, they, they are gorgeous as well. We've got a picture of, of one of them actually on our Twitter. If people want to check it out there. Uh, but they nest in the ground. And this is kind of the issue. As you say, you know, we could be upon a nest before we even realise. And this is kind of why the conservation area is, is so important there in Baltray. And, and like, you know, as you mentioned there, they've the project has done tremendous work uh, for this uh, little bird. Tell us what's involved as a volunteer then. As a, vol- a volunteer, uh, we'd, we'd be asking you to spend as much time as you, as you can. Like we have to, do, we work on a rotor system, and like not everybody can be there at the same time. And we have a rotor system, and we just try and make sure that there's no gaps in the rotor. And when you, when your volunteer is down on the beach, they'd be just they'd be asked to most closely keep an eye on the crows because they are one of the top predators that they have to face. A crow will go in there and take every egg he finds. Mm. So you have to keep your eye on the crows and then you have to alert the people if they're walking too close to the, to the, to the enclosure. You have to talk to them, try and steer them away from the enclosure. Then you also, there's also gulls, the seagulls, they will take eggs, they'll take eggs or chicks. You have sparrowhawks, they will take the chicks, they don't bother with the eggs, they wait till they hatch and they go after the chicks. Oh God. And uh, yeah, then at night, then you have the the, the foxes. They would come in and and would yeah, they go oh, and would they go that far, like towards the beach? A fox would they? Well, the 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 tales we all that you consider if you were a fox and you came across an area where you could smell, get the mm. scent of all these nests all out in front of you. And it's handy pickings. Oh, it is! It is handy pickings for the it's fox. Handy pickings, yeah, and so. They, if they get in, they would take every egg. Oh God, the, it'd be a massacre, an absolute massacre, Morris. And, you know, tell us about this time of the year then, because there's there's a lot going on, isn't there? It's it's Is it mating season for the turn at the moment? Mating, yeah, they're, they're, they're busy below mating, pairing up now and getting ready, getting ready to nest. And we were we were talking about this myself and yourself the other day. It's like you know, for people who are interested in wildlife and birds, this mating display can be quite something. It can, it can, <laughs> it can. You get a, you get the juveniles, the young birds, and they're desperate looking for a partner. And then you have the the adult birds who have mated. When they mate, they stick together. So when these guys, the adult birds, come, they just land and they go straight into more or less straight into the procedure. But the mating is a bit funny with the younger boys. They're flying, the males are flying around the food and trying to entice the girls, and the girls are not, they're not happy, and all this carry on. And it's a hard walk with the four year male. <laughs> Sounds like fusion on a night out, Morris. You know what I mean? Exactly. I, I wouldn't know. I was <laughs> so as you say that this is happening which means that the little chicks are going to be born so you're going to have something like you were saying to me there something like around 100 uh, chicks could be born uh, so this is why we need volunteers out there protecting them exactly like, like, as I said to you yesterday we're kind of a victim of our own success we had a great great two years since believe it or not since the COVID when the COVID came first we had loads of volunteers which was brilliant. Loads of dedicated volunteers. But when things are starting to change, then these people are going back to work. So now we're on the opposite end. We're, we're struggling for volunteers now, you know. And we were but, saying uh, as well there, Morris, that, you know, the, like it's coming up to the summer holidays. There could be students there that are at a loose end. Maybe they didn't get a summer job or anything. This would be ideal for, for a student. Well, anybody that's interested in wildlife, 
it's I'd recommend it. Like mm. not alone have you got your terms. You also have your skylarks, your meadow pipits, butterflies, bees, plants. You know, it's all it's all in one confined area, you might say. You know, it's a, it's a lovely walk around. If you're interested in wildlife, it's, it's, it's a great place to be. It is. And I, as I said, I was there during the lockdown. It is. It's absolutely gorgeous. So what criteria then do the volunteers need to have? As you said, an interest in wildlife, that's the main one. It, obviously, somebody that's quite responsible as well. Oh, yeah. And the patient, you might have to withstand a, a, a bad day or two. <laughs> or maybe three. <laughs> well, it's <laughs> Ireland, yeah. <laughs> and uh, the, the way, we, the way we, uh, when the when the first egg is hatched, it's a twenty-four hour job from then on. Okay, so you need people. Oh, sorry, and sorry, sorry, my mistake. When the first egg is laid, okay, it's a twenty-four hour job. So, and we normally we normally have a, a night person who come in at ten in the evening, and they be. They stay there till six o'clock in the morning, and then it then swaps. It's it's six o'clock. We have to have the place covered from six o'clock in the morning till ten o'clock at night. Okay, so you really need people to to kind of give a couple of hours. Yeah, and as you it, say, there is there is a big it's a big ask. It's well watered. Yeah, as you say, and it's like it's only for for the season. Like, how long does the season actually last, then, Mars? Well. It, uh, roughly around three months. Okay, so kind of the roughly summer kind of time. Yeah. Perfect, yeah, perfect. Yeah. And as you mentioned, then if there, you know, you you guys at the moment, you've only got a handful of volunteers, really, do you? Well, yeah, we're we're down to the skeleton, <laughs> skeleton yeah. crew now at the moment. Yeah, you're in desperate need. And as we said, there, you know, if there was no volunteers looking after this stretch of beach, life for the little turn would be extremely difficult. And you know, they are a very, very rare bird that needs to be protected. How can people get in touch with you, Morris, if they want to sign up to volunteer? Well, there's we we have a ornithologist down there at the moment. He's there from nine o'clock in the morning to six o'clock in the evening. You can go down, give your name and number to him, or you can give out my phone number there yep. if you want. Anybody that wants to phone me, they can phone me and I'll help them out. Or just, just go down. Just yep. go down. Just go just down, down to, to it's and, and, and ask, ask what you have to do. Absolutely. There's a little cabin there near the actual the actual site on the beach. Well, Morris, yeah. I wish you the best to look with this. I think the work that you're doing is so, so important for the little turn. And, and here's hoping that you get a good few volunteers signing up. Well, thanks for having us on the last put the, put the word out no problem at all you're most welcome Morris Conaghy there the Little Turn Conservation Project they are in need of volunteers do you have a couple of hours to spare I promise you I've been down there myself it's gorgeous and you know being at the beach is always going to be a nice experience as well it's well worthwhile and if there was a student out there that was stuck over the summer with no job something like this on your CV would really be excellent if you want to get in touch with Morris you can do we have his number here if you'd like to get in touch he's 08 Six eight six nine six five nine seven. That's O eight six. 869-6597 or as Morris says you can go down there to the cabin on the beach there's somebody on site all of the time and they'd only be too delighted to see you 11 to 1 We are going back in time now to the year 1995 and on this day an iconic movie was released Just one chance to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives but they'll never take Oh, freedom! Oh, every time, every time, it's absolutely iconic. 
LMFM Northeast Update with Senator Windows. Senator Windows products will help you create a secure, comfortable, energy efficient home you're proud of. Call 0818 7 Yes, on this day in 1995, Braveheart, directed by Mel Gibson and starring him, it premiered at the Seattle Film Festival and won Best Picture in 1996, by the way. A lot of the movie, of course, was shot at Trim Castle and also at Dunsanian County Mead. Uh, and today is National Numeracy Day. Many of us think that we're not number people, but whether we like it or not, numbers play a big part in all of our lives. National Numeracy Day is about recognising the importance of numbers and numeracy. So there you go. LMFM Northeast Update with Senator Windows. Creating the perfect home is a journey. Let us guide you. Visit our Drogheda and Dundalk showrooms. Discover more at senatorwindows.ie. Getting back to some of your messages earlier on, uh, because word foolery will be coming up after 12, we gave you our mystery word and um, I said it was food related this week and I think Grace must have stuck to that fairly rigidly. Without Googling, okay, we'll know if you Google. Uh, She's asked us, you know, what does groke mean? G-R-O-A-K. Now there is a verb to groke. I thought it meant kind of you know, being sick or throwing up. Somebody else on the throwing up thing as well uh, saying it must mean that. Uh, Somebody here saying, um, this is interesting now, groke, it means looking at someone when they're eating, which I thought was interesting. That's a good one. Um, Somebody else uh, saying as well that it's uh, hi Sinead, staring at somebody eating, hope they'll share, hoping they'll share your their food with you, says Maureen. That's another one on the same vein. So that maybe could be it (laughs) I'm absolutely loving this message from Mina in Kells Sinead if you chanced your arm with a female frog you would grok her she says (laughs) oh listen I love all the inventive ones keep them coming in what do we think the word grok means all will be revealed in word foolery that's coming your way after 12 11 to 1 Attention, loud employer. Nice training. On air, online, on your smart speaker, this is LMFM. Sinead Brazel here with you till one. And you can get in touch with me on 086 658 Now, it's getting back to our picnics. Yes, all this week we've teamed up with JK Sheds on the Coes Road in Dundalk. They make beautiful picnic benches and as well as that, all sorts of garden sheds, log cabins, offices and kennels. For more, you can check out jksheds.ie or you can follow their Facebook page. And we have a fabulous, strong six-seater handmade wooden picnic bench, which will be delivered to your door to give away. That's all courtesy of our friends in JK Sheds. We love a good picnic in Ireland. Even when it's raining, we will brave it out. We really will. Uh, This is coming in. We're asking you your picnic stories. This is coming in from Carmen. He says, uh, coming from Cape Town, South Africa. Loving the outdoors where the sun always shines. Most days, uh, we arrived in Ireland, decided to go to Late Town for a family picnic as the sun was out on a lovely morning in July. Little did we know, uh, we got there, unpacked, all excited to be out in the sunshine and fresh air. Wrong. Ten minutes later, clouds came over, massive hailstorm, back into the car and a picnic in the kitchen. We learned a valuable lesson regarding the Irish weather, but we love it here, our new home. Carmen, great message. I think we can all visualise you legging it back into the house the hailstones hammering down on you no doubt you know battering you because hailstones it's not fun getting caught in a hailstone storm it really isn't Um, this is another one uh, coming in from Laura packed up for a picnic landed in Betty's town with the eight month old to discover we left the picnic and the baby 
bag, thank God she said bag, at home, had to go to the shopping centre to buy everything by the kitchen sink, came home to discover we had crossed the picnic bag and the baby bag with the van, salad cream and pseudo cream all over the place, says Laura. I can see that. The salad cream and the suit cream all over the driveway. Love it. Laura, thank you so much for that message. Keep them coming in to us. We want to hear your picnic stories where they're, uh, you forgot the picnic bag, whether you got caught in a hailstone, whether you just didn't. Uh, maybe you had like me, lemonade, sandwiches. You know, we want to hear your picnic stories. 086-1800-658. And we'll pick another finalist towards the end of the show. Now time to check in with the world of celebrity. The Buzz on LMFM. With thanks to the LMFM app. Download for free now and take us with you everywhere you go. Hi, I'm Louise. Gentleman Jack star Saran Jones says she's always wanted to star in a festive movie. The actress will play the Scrooge character in A Christmas Carol, an updated version of the classic tale. She says they're due to start filming soon. It's the middle of the summer, as all classic films are. Um, Christmas films are normally filmed in the summer, yeah. So uh, Santa Claus isn't in it. That's the only thing. I, I, I wish Santa had been in it. Hip-hop trio N-Dubs are getting back together after 11 years for a UK arena tour later this year. They announced the end of their hiatus on social media, revealing their new single Charmer will be released on Thursday. If you loved Hero Finds Tiffin in the After franchise, then this one is for you. He's bringing out a brand new romance called First Love and the trailer has just landed. The movie follows Jim, a senior in high school, experiencing the highs and lows of his first love with Anne, played by Sydney Park. This is for Mr. Routon. Mr. Routon didn't actually want to see you. But the note. I know, I wrote the note. You dating anyone? I've never even had a real boyfriend. (laughs) (laughs) Joe, you've had some romances? No. I like him. That's The Buzz. I'm Louise. The Buzz on LMFM. With thanks to the LMFM app. Download for free now and take us with you everywhere you go. There's the Pretenders Brass in Pocket on LMFM's 11 to 1. It's got us scratching our heads this morning. Groke. What on earth does it mean? If you're just joining us, it is Word Fillery Wednesday, uh, the time of the month where we talk to author Grace Tierney about the weird and wonderful and wacky stories behind words. And she always gives us a mystery word. And this month she's given us groke, G-R-O-A-K, to groke. Now I kind of gave you a clue. It is the whole theme of Word Fillery this month is going to be food related. So I was thinking, does it mean to get sick? But now I'm thinking maybe that's wrong, <laughs> judging from your answers. Keep them Coming in to me on 086 1800 658. We're going to join Arthur Grace Tierney just after these. 11 to 1. Yes, it is Word Foolery Wednesdays. Every month on the show, we delve into the fascinating and sometimes downright strange origin stories behind words. And this month, our words are food related, which might give you a clue. So we're discussing everything from Pavlova to our mystery word, Groke. And the girl who has a way with words, author Grace Tierney from Stamullen, is on the line. How are you doing, Grace? Hi, Sinead. It's very appropriate that you're doing things about picnic benches. I should have looked up picnic. <laughs> oh, yes, I didn't even think of that. There you go. It is, absolutely. Now, you've chosen 
words associated with foods. I, I knew there was a reason that I liked having you on the show. You're speaking my language here, you know what I mean? Uh, but pronunciation-wise, I'm going to be dire today. Let me just put that out there straight away. But uh, let's kick off with Permentier. Is that right? Permentier, I oh, think. Okay, French. Okay. But, uh, pretty close, pretty close. And I like to throw you a few curveballs just to keep you on your toes. <laughs> pronunciation crack. Um, yeah, I thought I'd start with something about potatoes because, um, well, they're sort of our nat- national yeah. food, really, aren't they? And I love potatoes. <laughs> so that's the main reason. But uh, these are a little bit fancier than your mammy's mash now, although I'd say your mammy's mash is lovely. But uh, it's a French dish. So basically, you cube up the potatoes and you roast or fry them with garlic or uh, some herbs. It's actually super popular oh, in my house. Yes, they're lovely. Them somewhere but not known that they're parmentier potatoes. There you go. But uh, you may recall that uh, potatoes actually come from South America, so they're not native to Europe, but they were introduced to Europe in the 1600s. However, I didn't know this. Outside of Spain and Ireland, they were only used for animal feed. Oh. And in France, they were actually, it was illegal to grow them because it was believed that they caused leprosy, which clearly they don't. Um, in the 1700s, uh, a particular man, Antoine-Augustine Parmentier, hence the name, uh, he was a French pharmacist and he got involved with the whole potato debate. So while serving with the army in the Seven Years' War, he was captured. And while he was held as prisoner of war, the only thing he was fed was potatoes. Um, however, he survived very healthy until his release and then decided, right, I need to start a campaign to get these legalized because we need the food for the peasants and the people of France. And he was so clever about how he did it. He gave bouquets of potato blossoms to the king and queen. He surrounded his potato farm with armed guards during the day to suggest that he was growing something really valuable. And then he withdrew them at night so that people would creep in and steal the potatoes, which I just think is insanely clever. He also threw dinner parties to show off how delicious the potato dishes were. And this is how the Parmentier potatoes got invented. And he eventually got them made legal. In 1772, they made it legal to eat potatoes in France. And we haven't really stopped eating them since then. His tombstone is in Père Lachaise Cemetery in Paris, which is where Oscar Wilde is buried. Um, and it's decorated with carvings of potato plants. And when people visit their, his grave, they leave potatoes on it instead of flowers. I love before Mr. Tato we had this guy do you know what I mean like revolutionising potatoes and and the use of them I love it that is brilliant I mean when you eat those potatoes now you're going to think of this fantastic story oh it's brilliant absolutely brilliant now this next one uh, yeah I'm going to need help Salma Gundy is it? okay you're doing well that's the other two (laughs) Yes, Salma Gundy. Um, I actually use Salma Gundy in all of my books. At the end, I always have a chapter of random words that I can't fit into a theme, but they're just too good to leave out. And I call that my Salma Gundy chapter. But it's mainly because I actually really like the word. So it's um, basically a mishmash of a dish. The recipe is never the same, but the idea is to arrange a selection of cold ingredients on a platter, whatever you have to hand, and then you top it with a dressing of some sort, usually spicy. So potential ingredients would include meat, fish, eggs, fruit, edible flowers, nuts, like literally anything that's edible you can put in the plate, put a dressing on and you go, oh yeah, what are we having for tea tonight? We're having salmagundi. It entered English in the late 1600s from French and apparently it was a common dish on pirate ships, which gives it an extra little flourish. Uh, About 100 years later, the name was corrupted into Salmon Grundy as a person's name. 
and turned into an English nursery rhyme, which goes like this. So Solomon Grundy, born on a Monday, christened on Tuesday, married on Wednesday, took ill on Thursday, grew worse on Friday, buried on Saturday, sorry, died on Saturday, buried on Sunday. That was the end of Solomon Grundy. Oh, listen, the, the, the rhymes were grim, weren't they? Yes, they were. Oh, they didn't pull any punches with kids' stories and rhymes back in the day. Yeah. So if you all you have is leftovers tonight for dinner, tell them you're giving them Salomon Grundy. Salomon Grundy, love it. Now, this is something I do know a lot about and I love this very summer kind of dessert, uh, the pavlova. Isn't it just? Now, you yeah. can have that in your picnic bench. And if you do, I'll be over because I love yes. pavlova. Oh, goodness. Anyway, so I think everybody knows it's meringue base and then it's topped with cream and fruit, whatever way you want to do it yourself. But uh, did you know it's named after a ballerina? No. Yes. So Anna Pavlova, uh, she was, lived from 1885 to 1931 and she was incredibly famous as a ballerina. Um, the dish was probably invented in either Australia or New Zealand and they would practically go to war over who has the naming rights to this one because basically she did a tour in the 1920s and they invented the dish for the tour but uh, both countries claim it so I'm not going to get into the middle of that because <laughs> all of the um, people from the Antipodes will not be happy with me if I make a decision on that one um, but Anna was an amazing person. She once completed 37 pirouettes on top of a moving elephant. Wow. Which is pretty impressive. I can manage one (laughs) if I really try. Um, She travelled the world performing and she was known for her charity work especially with refugee orphans after World War I. When she died I just think they gave her the best send off ever. Her scheduled performance went ahead without her. So this is an old ballet tradition apparently. The whole cast performed with the single spotlight circling the stage where she would have been dancing. Oh. I just think that it's really tragic, but it would yeah. have been amazing to have been there. Oh my God, I can like visualise that as you're saying it. That's incredible. Again, another appreciation for this fantastic summer dessert. You can be, you can, you know, if you're having a dinner party and you're serving pavlova, what a great story to tell to wow your dinner guests. I mean, really, that's brilliant. Um, the next one, uh, Tarte Tatan. Is it? Yes. Yes. And well done again. <laughs> and another dessert. You can tell I have a sweet Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm um, with you there. Do you like apple pie? Are you an apple pie kind of person? Big fan of an apple pie. Right. And have you had tart tatin? Because it's a variation on the apple Is pie. Is this like kind of sour? Well, it should be reasonably sweet. So maybe okay. it's got a bad one. <laughs> maybe it's got a bad one, yeah. But a tart tatin is an upside down apple tart. So the apple tarts usually here will have a top and a bottom of pastry. This one just has a bottom of pastry and then the apples caramelised on top of the pastry. Okay, And this was created via a very happy accident. So in the late 1800s, there were two sisters, Stephanie and Caroline Tatin, and they ran a hotel in the Loire region outside Paris that catered to city visitors and hunters. And they were cooking in haste one day and they put a dish of apple slices in the oven but forgot to put the pastry in for the apple tart. So they threw on a sheet of pastry on top and then flipped it over to serve it. And contemporary accounts describe the hotel opposite the train station as being an oasis of fine dining and that the dish was the crowning jewel in the menu. Fame of the dish spread after they died, um, thanks to Maxime's restaurant in Paris, which is quite a famous one even today. But it does involve a somewhat doubtful tale of recipe theft and industrial espionage, which Ooh. I love. So Louis Vaudible, I think that's how you'd say his surname, he was the longtime owner of Maxime's and he was absolutely dying to get the tarte tatin recipe because everybody was talking about it. 
so he went out to where the hotel was and was trying to cozy up with the kitchen staff and find things out. He was getting nowhere. So he got himself hired on in disguise as a gardener. And three days later, he was fired as being completely incapable of doing any gardening whatsoever. But in the meantime, he had worked out the recipe and he unveiled the sister's dish on his own menu as tart tatan and it became famous after that. <gasps> the theft. You see, ruthless they are in the food industry as oh, well, aren't they? Do they? Oh, they, they do anything. Oh, they do. granny to get a decent recipe. <laughs> they really would. Now, moving to our mystery word. Uh, now, I think I'm way off the mark here. I thought to grok was to get sick. Uh, Mina, I think, has to have the best message in for this. If you chanced your arm with a female frog, you would grok her. She says, as the mystery word. Uh, other people saying... Um, this is really interesting and I think this is probably where you're going to come in and tell us that we're right with this. Uh, a lot of people saying, um, uh, this is coming in from Magella in Drumconrath, is it begging? I remember my mother saying that to me many years ago when I was young because I was always eating and looking for food off my brother. Or another one says, I think Groke is something like watching someone eat. I remember my grand many years ago saying something like that word and she would say it to us if we were staring at somebody eating and she says, ah, the flashbacks to my lovely granny, that's Tina in Navin. I reckon she maybe is on the right track, is she? I, I think this is lovely that we're bringing back people's grannies and mammies. That's lovely. <laughs> um, yeah, they're absolutely on the money. So to grok is to gaze longingly at somebody else's food in the hope that they might share it with you. Uh, or better still, simply hand you the entire plate, which is what my children usually do. <laughs> um, its origins are a bit vague, but the best guesses are that it might be Scots or possibly Ulster Gaelic. So if those grannies or mums have any background north of the border, that could be where it was coming in. Um, so I think groking was probably originally directed at maybe a wee dram of whiskey or a nice bowl of porridge. Um, beware, pets are particularly bad at groking. <laughs> um, and you know, if you're out for dinner and somebody goes, oh no, I don't want dessert, I'm dieting. Oh, I'll just take a second spoon. And they end up eating your dessert. Yeah. They're grokers. Grokers, I love it. So now, before you order your dessert in the restaurant, no groking, you can say to people. You know what I mean? You have a new word in your vocabulary. Grace, as always, thank you so, so much for joining us for that brilliant word, Fillery. You're very welcome. Lovely to talk to you. We'll talk to you next month. Thanks a million. Author Grace Tierney there. She has quite a few books out. She's always working on another one, but her latest one is Words Vikings Gave Us. You can find more information on wordfoolery.wordpress.com. And if you missed any of this, we will be podcasting it on lmfm.ie. 11 to 1. Lots of you getting in touch on the picnic stories. We'll get to some of them very, very shortly. But first, it's back to the music. Here's Something Happens with Parachute on LMFM's 11 to 1. There's Parachute by Something Happens. Something always happens on an Irish picnic, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. We're getting back to some of your stories about Irish picnics. Because we've teamed up with JK Sheds, they're on the Coes Road in Dundalk and uh, they make picnic benches but all sorts of garden sheds, log cabins, offices and kennels. For more you can check out jksheds.ie or follow their Facebook page and they have given us a fabulous strong six-seater handmade wooden picnic bench that they will deliver to your door and we're asking you to share your picnic stories. This one's coming in from Tarina Corrigan, she's in Tenure, she says, Hi Sinead, our picnic was many, many years ago and funds were low 
the end of the school holidays we wanted to do something nice so we packed sausages beans loads of bread and butter and tea making stuff and uh, off we go to the local beach lit a fire cooked our picnic there well I know it sounds daft but it was just class I don't think I ever enjoyed a day as much there were clumps and clumps of primroses everywhere took a tiny clump uh, to, uh, to root at home with us and now they're everywhere in the garden so anytime I go into the garden it always reminds me of that day it's the simple stuff I love that and you know I can totally relate to that beach story because um we did that as well. We brought sausages and stuff and the little ring and like it was just this novelty of cooking at the beach, you know. Uh, it's those things that you remember. Brilliant. Thank you so much for sending that in, uh, Tarina. Uh, There's another one coming in on text from Rosie in Navin. She says... <laughs> Oh, this is a great one. Went for a picnic with four of my local school friends. Oh, this must be about 50 years ago. She says, just across the fields. I made lovely banana sandwiches. So proud of them. Decided to have them. Opened up the tinfoil and all the rest, but they were as black as coal. Nobody would eat them. We just fell around the place laughing, says Rosie and Navin. Oh, the old bananas, you see, they don't last. You know, you have to kind of maybe make them on the spot just bring the banana and the buttered bread Rosie next time you know thank you so much keep them coming in 086 1800 658 we're going to pick another finalist towards the end of the show now it's time for our job search LMFM job search with thanks to LMFM online check out the latest northeast news sport and entertainment on lmfm.ie the Bailey Hotel requires a full-time experienced chef in the Cavan area. Please apply to info at baileyhotel.com or you can visit baileyhotel.com for more details. G&J Art Joinery Limited requires a joiner with some experience with wood in the Navan area. Please send your CV to info at artjoinery.com. Sky Handling Partner Dublin Airport is recruiting full-time baggage handling agents. Apply to jobs at shp.ie or you can visit our website skyhandlingpartner.ie. New Faces Beauty Clinic Dundalk requires a full-time or part-time experienced beauty therapist. Please send your CV to info at newfaces.ie or you can check out their website newfaces.ie. Irish Blood Transfusion Service requires a temporary full-time maternity leave position for a clinical nurse manager grade 2. To apply, check out the career section at giveblood.ie. TNT Fitness Systems requires a part-time permanent accounts administrator in the Kings Court County Cavan area. Please forward your CV to info at ttfitness.ie or check out ttfitness.ie for details. And MCK Mini Mix Concrete requires a concrete driver in the Loudmead area. To apply, please contact info at mckireland.com or you can check out mckireland.com for more information. And don't forget, all of the details of those jobs can be found in our local job section on lmfm.ie. LMFM Job Search. Yes, we are talking picnic stories all this week because we've teamed up with JK Sheds and the Coes Road in Dundalk. They are giving us a six-seater handmade wooden picnic bench and we're asking you your picnic stories and I have Michael Quilty. He's from Drum Conrad. He's on the line. How are you doing? Hello. Hello. Are you getting on? You're getting yeah. on well today? Yeah, fine. Fine, thank you. Good, good. Now tell me your lovely picnic story, Michael. Well, um, I met this woman and we were going out together. I was flying over from England every week to see her. And we decided to go on a picnic to Carlingford. And I thought, I'd like to marry this woman. So we made up the picnic and I sneaked a ring into the, one of the bowls of fruit. And I gave her hers and she opened it and she see the ring and 
Oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> oh. Yes, yes, yes. My God. Michael, how long were you concocting this plan now to propose at the romantic picnic? Well, I was thinking of something to do and when I thought about the picnic, I thought, yes, this would be good and Carlinford's a lovely place. Yeah, and she said yes and it was a great day and we got married last November. Oh, Michael, congratulations. And and tell me, uh, what's your lovely wife's name? Martina. Martina and yourself married uh, now about in almost a year. How's yeah. married life treating you? Is it still as romantic as when you had the lovely picnic? Oh, even better. Oh. Even better yeah. And we still go on picnics and picnics will never be the same again now. Oh, Michael, do you not know I have an overactive tear duct? <laughs> Seriously. You're killing me here today. Michael, uh, for that brilliant story, we are putting you in the draw for this fabulous picnic bench for yourself and Martina. Uh, we'll keep in touch with us, OK? Listen out on Friday because all the names will be going into the draw for this, all with thanks to JK Sheds. But thank you so much for sharing that beautiful picnic story. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thanks a million, Michael Quilty and Drum Conrad. Oh, my God. The ladies of the northeast are just swooning now hearing that lovely romantic picnic story. We will have another chance for you to win in association with JK Sheds on tomorrow's programme. Uh, so do keep your picnic stories coming in to us. We do love, I'm loving them. I'm absolutely loving them. From the crazy and the funny to the romantic and heartwarming. It's brilliant. So do keep those coming in and we'll have another chance for you to win on uh, tomorrow's show. That is our lot on the show for today. Thank you so much to everybody who contributed. We'll leave you a Callum Scott. Have a great Great day. 11 to 1. Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.